Welcome to everyone. Welcome to everyone who's sitting at home. I think it's worth reflecting on why we do talks, certainly for the person giving it. So there are many, many levels of uh, why we do these talks. One level is to try to inspire people, to encourage people, to help people have confidence in their own aspiration, have confidence in their own capacity by continually pointing out what is true. Sometimes it's a way of just having a direct energetic connection with each person in the room. And that direct connection is with the speaker and with the lineage behind that person. So it's a direct energetic connection to the whole lineage of teachers back to the time of the Buddha. Sometimes it's helpful to point out things that you may observe along the path, just like a tour guide points out and says, oh, you know, this is where the bomb exploded in 1894 and so on and so forth. And somehow, and, and pointing things out often makes them more interesting, brings our attention to relevant things we might otherwise slip over. Sometimes we do the talk to help people become familiar with this particular language. That may or may not be useful to you in the future, but there is a certain language that's involved in Dharma. And maybe the most interesting one is that there is an energetic stream that we have a possibility of aligning ourselves with, a stream of confidence and presence and aliveness that we all share. And then listening with our whole body and mind, we touch that. The first task of Sashin, first task is to arrive, fully arrive. And of course, in one sense, we've all done that. But in another sense, even though our body-mind might be here, even though we might have a, an awareness of the room and be present, often it takes a while for the thinking mind, the deciding mind, the, the, the planning mind, the anticipatory mind, the agitated mind to calm down. And this first less than 24 hours right now gives us an opportunity to turn our thoughts away from all those problems and worries we were engaged with before session. We all know what they were bills, relationships, what to do with my life, plans for the future. Now here is a pointing out. Often people use the word drop or let go. If you observe thought, 
You can't drop it. You can't let it go. It's impossible because it disappears by itself. And as soon as you say, I want to drop this thought, it's already gone. We can't hold on. So one aspect of this coming home, this coming into the present moment, is to watch the flow of thought go through and to note that if we are attending to thought, one thought always leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought, and even the thought of letting go is part of that endless stream. And we can tell ourselves, let go, drop, let go, drop, and just keep thinking, because that is thinking. So what do we do? Doing is the right word. And this, of course, is applicable whether you're sitting in your room at home, whether you're sitting here, whether you're sitting anywhere. And that is turn the awareness to the body. We're using hearing as the entrance gate, listening as the entrance gate to the non-dual in this session. But when we're looking at listening, we have to attend to the sounds we can hear, not the sounds we can't hear. So if you're three-quarters deaf, that's fine. You just attend to the sounds you can hear. And the same thing is true with working with this stream of thought. You bring it to the body sensation you can feel. Joman led a guided meditation, or a couple of them, to help settle into the present moment. Not by doing something with thought, but by turning the attention away from the endless stream and to the experience of the body, whatever that happens to be. If you want to know whether you're present or not, Just ask, can I feel my body? You're doing Kenan, can you feel the feet on the floor? The body breathing. Not a specific experience, but the awareness of that experience. One interesting observation that I've had is that if you're paying attention to sound, mindful sounds and uh, (laughs) obtuse, mindfulness sounds and unmindful sounds, mindful sounds and habitual automatic sounds are as distinguishable as Woodpeckers are from owls. We don't have to evaluate them. They're just obvious when we're paying attention. And that attention means we have to be present. And that being present means we have to be anchored. But let's look at this more deeply. The body does not exist. 
the body does not exist. The body is an abstraction. Like great vows in monastery is not a thing. It's a bunch of people and a bunch of bricks and a bunch of property and a bunch of things that all come together in our mind and we label that whole concatenation of, that whole collection of percepts into great vow. And if you actually look at what we see of great vow, we don't see what's inside most of the rooms most of the time. We don't see what's on the roof. We don't see what is hidden from our view. All we see is the surface of things and the surface experiences, and we coagulate all of that into the idea of great vow. It's a useful idea. The body does not exist. The body is an abstraction in exactly the same way. It is something that we have cobbled together out of a series of percepts. Traditionally, the five aggregates. Out of the sensation of form and feeling and thought and volition and consciousness, we, we, we create our idea of our body. But if we look at our body, there is no particular thing that is our body. It's changing all the time. It's shifting all the time. The body lying down is different than the body sitting up, the different than the body walking. We experience our body constantly different, differently, constantly in flow. And the, the mental abstraction, the mental idea of the body, as there's this thing which takes different shapes, is an idea. The idea is often based upon what size clothes we wear, what that reflection in the mirror appears to us. And of course, it's all idiosyncratic. Lovely, gorgeous people look in a mirror and see something hideous, and other people see exactly the same image and see something magnificent. So our view of the body is idiosyncratic at best, cobbled together into a picture in our mind. And the picture is not the real thing. So we are being told, come back to the body, experience the body, rest in the body, the body, the body, the body, and yet it does not exist. How can we practice with the body that does not exist? How can we practice with something that is constantly flowing? You know, we look at the river and never the same water, always flowing. One way, and a traditional way, is to make our awareness more discreet, to make our awareness more, to hone the focus. Now, the body can be experienced from any part of what we call the body. It can be experienced from ears or toes or pelvis or hands, whatever. 
And the classic method during Zazen, <clears throat> which has been passed down, is to put the hands in the lap, in the cosmic mudra, left hand over the right, or fingers slightly intertwined, thumbs lightly touching. And to hold one's awareness on this, ex- this experience we call hands, and hold them steady during zazen, thumbs lightly touching. So it's a steady, a focused, a present experience that can be a foundation for feeling the body. It also could be an awareness, an ego awareness exercise. People are given different kinds of guidance and instruction, and you can just watch yourself refuse, say, no, I'd rather do it my way. And even simple advice from somebody who's got a lot of experience, like chosen giving advice about eating, the ego says, no, I'd rather do it my way. Yes, but. Just worth noting, worth noting, even something simple that comes towards us, we often put up a wall. I, me, and mine. When yes, but means no. Aside. Okay, so feel the hands. Or better yet, feel exactly the point where the two thumbs are lightly coming together. And when we are directly experiencing something as concrete as it gets like that, we can only experience it in the present. The past is gone, the future hasn't come, and there's only the direct sensation in the present moment. And of course, that's true whether we're sitting at home or in the zendo or anywhere. Now, that is only a little introduction, a little foundational tidbit of the practice. So right this moment, I encourage everyone to feel your hands, just be aware of your hands. But notice that you can also hear my voice simultaneously. You can feel the hands intimately and know whether they're warm or whether they're moist, or whether they're cold, whether they're tingling, whether they have weight, and simultaneously you can hear sound. They're not two things because the mind of awareness is not two things. It does not exist in two places. So now we have bring the awareness into discrete aspect of the body, feel it, and hear sound from that place, or hear sound simultaneously with that experience. As we do that, you can actually see sound 
and the body are not two different things. Not two different things. After all, we hear sound with the body. No tympanic membrane, no otic nerve, no brain, no sound. At best, sort of a cosmic vibration that's unprocessed, that's undifferentiated. So we need the body certainly to hear the sounds that human beings hear, to hear that range. So the practice of anchoring in the body and listening to sound is exactly the same thing when you look closely at it. This is not a should. This is not a criteria if I'm doing it right then. It's just the reality of things, like gravity. It's just the reality. When we are looking closely at times, that reality will become apparent. And other times we'll forget it. So again, I encourage you, feel the hands right now while we're all engaged in this particular practice of Dharma talk. And listen. Now, listening is a very intimate activity. It's not a dissociative activity. There's not this thing called, I'm going to put my mind in my ears and hear the humming outside. It's not this thing that, oh, I'm now practicing listening practice and I'm now turning my attention out there as though sound only exists out there and I am in here now and I'm now becoming a receptor of it and the sound is all out there. It doesn't happen like that. That's not the experience. The experience is sound is experienced intimately right here. One of these retreats, I decided that um, the best way of exemplifying that particular principle was to make sound very loud so everybody felt it in their body. But nobody liked that. So we won't do it this time. You'll be happy to know. Now, because sound, because listening is an inside-out activity, an inside-out activity, in a way, sound, if it does come to us, is always experienced right here. And one of the ways of noting, amplifying, watching, is to do toning practice. Now, toning practice is interesting. You make the sound, and you hear the sound, at the same time and in the same place. So 
So when we are doing toning practice, you take a deep breath, and the first tone that we'll be using is ah. Just take a deep breath. sure how this sounds to people at home, so it may be better to do it without the microphone later on. If we're paying attention, the ah, the making of it, the hearing of it, the experiencing of it, the feeling of it, same place, same time. No past, no present, just that sound. So then we practice the listening feeling. When we do that, and we can begin to listen, feel when we're walking or eating, even resting. And we will be doing more toning as it goes on. Now here's another pointing out. Listening is not thinking. So you can be having all kinds of music flowing through your head, and we can be sitting here in a totally silent zendo. Thinking makes no sound. Thinking of listening is not listening. Thinking about an old song that we have is not listening. It's thinking. And so we can actually sit, as we all have experienced, in a a zendo, in a room, totally still, totally quiet, filled with noise, called thought. Thought is naming, interpolating, interpreting, judging, liking, disliking. Listening has no evaluation. It's just sound. Sound does not care what the sound is, just sound. So when we're listening and the practice is listening, to the experience, feeling the experience of sound, all sound is practice. And if we have the the thump, 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 thump of a hammer mill, or we have big machinery, or we have birds in the woods, we have cars going by, it's all the field of sound. All is grist 
with a mill of practice. All sound is fresh. Our ideas about sound, our story about sound, our memories of sound, our thoughts about sound can be as old and stale as Methuselah. They just go on and on and on and on and on. But sound, feeling, hearing sound is fresh. And so in Sashin, in this practice that we have, fresh, fresh, fresh. And as we know, some of us, as we go on for a few more days, it actually becomes fresher and fresher because we're, we're not carrying around the old stories, the old, dull, stale stories. There's nothing wrong with memory, of course. Memory is great, and civilization is based upon writing things down so we remember them. But for Sashin, we're interested in experientially entering the gate to the non-dual, to the inclusive nature of mind. And to do that, memory is not essential. So people with, with eidetic memories and people with terrible memories are on the same playing field. Because we're following the experiencing of sound to help us become aware of, to, to, to become aware of the, 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 burge, the burgeoning of our true nature, the flowering of our true nature right in the midst of the experienced practice of listening feeling. And that listening feeling, when it's shorn of the detritus and all the, the flotsam and jetsam that we normally are adding to it, when it's clear, when we are experiencing the root, is always free, and it's always confident, and it's always present. And so as we practice, and as we touch our true nature, Buddha nature, root, the non-dual, we also touch the inherent freedom and confidence and clarity that is our true root. We're listening to sound, listening, feeling sound for what it reveals in the listening feeling, not for what it means. Do ah again.
The moment we stop the tone, there is a lacuna, there is a space, there is a nugatory gap. which if we step into can be timeless. Now there are two ways we can listen. We can listen as we do this toning, as we're talking. We can listen to the inside. And when we're listening to the inside, what we're listening for is, is there, is there concentration? Is there a kind of power? Is there a a smoothness? When we're listening outside, we begin thinking, well, how do other people think of my my voice? Do other people think that I have an old, quavery, old man's voice and they therefore kind of have this and this and this and this assumption about that? That's not listening. So, worrying about whether we're harmonizing with others or listening out there is not, at least at this point, this way we're looking at it right now, is not so useful. We want to listen to the sound that is intimate, that is in here. And we want to learn to, in a way, hear, feel this sound that is intimate and personal in a way before we hear the cacophony of the world. Now another way that you can do this is if you put your hands over your ears and listen. and you're hearing something. You're hearing crackling, sound of the sea, the nada sound. That is intimate listening. You're listening to the sound of your own life energy. That's inward listening in a way. That's listening to the root before the the effulgence of the rest of the room. So that is a different aspect of hearing. As he said, there are different levels of hearing. So the first level of hearing is we hear our normal, ordinary sounds of the world. And then maybe we hear the narration below those sounds, the judgments. And maybe before we actually feel the sound that is going on before the narration. And perhaps even below that, we begin to to become aware of and taste the source of the sound. And before below that, we begin to see the the emptiness of sound, and then below that, the inclusive nature of sound, which is not separate. 
just a rough idea that there are these different aspects of sound. Some people never listen beyond pop culture. They hear sounds and they feel mood bad or indifferent. But to listen to the undercurrents, to listen intimately, to listen beyond the psychological level of sound, to listen to the, the intimate arising of sound, to listen to sound at the root is the practice this week. So the practice this week is listening. It is not evaluating. It is not thinking. It is not, I'm going to practice with the breath. It's not, I'm going to practice with walking. It's not, I'm going to go out and practice with, you know, looking at green. The practice this week is listening. Listening, listening intimately. And so we're sitting there and our body hurts. The practice is listening. We're sitting there or we're standing or we're doing dishes. The practice is listening, listening, listening. So continually bring the awareness back to listening at any level. Listening at the surface listening in the, the intimate level of feeling sound, listening at the, the underlying rumblings of the origin of sound, listening. <coughs> All sound, inside, outside, in between, one body, one whole. All points to the inclusive nature of mind. The most important thing about this particular talk practice is this.
listen 